Welcome to journeywithjesus.net, a weekly webzine for the global church. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin. My essay this week is called Accept One Another. It's based upon the lectionary readings for Sunday, October the 6th, 2013, World Communion Sunday. From the Gospel this week in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, Lord, increase our faith. Thank God for Shadyside Presbyterian Church in Pittsburgh. Back in 1933, the saints there kick-started what eventually became World Communion Sunday, now celebrated the first Sunday in October. In a world of discord and distrust, and given the dismal track record of Christians in cooperation, World Communion Sunday is more important than ever. The Apostle Paul writes, Accept one another, just as God has accepted you. This past summer, I read a book by Jay Baker called Faith doubt, and other lines I've crossed, walking with the unknown God. It's a good book that's worth reading. If his name sounds familiar, you're not mistaken. In the first sentence of the book he writes, I will probably be 80 years old and still introduced as Jay Baker, son of Jim and Tammy Faye. Baker has covered his personal story in three previous books. His new book is one of theological reflection. He recently left as co-pastor of Revolution New York City to start a new church of the same name in Minneapolis. Revolution started in Phoenix in 1994 and has had subsequent iterations in Los Angeles, Atlanta, Charlotte, in New York City. Forget the stained glass windows. These churches meet in bars, bowling alleys, coffee shops, and candy stores. Baker calls his book a chronicle of doubt about several hot-button issues, especially the very scary grace of God. In Rilke's famous phrase, he's doing what all mature believers must do. He's living the questions. What he captures so well is how God's love subverts our many tribalisms and idols that demand sacrifices from us. Is such radically inclusive grace not dangerous? Yes, of course it is. But that's the call of the kingdom that Jesus announced. Baker wonders why Rick Warren refused his invitation to eat a meal with him, that richly symbolic act in Scripture whereby we accept, bless, and honor one another. Especially after Warren defended himself last year after meeting with Muslim leaders, sharing a meal with them, traveling to Syria with them, and starting a ministry to end misunderstandings and you refuse to eat with a fellow Christian? Baker writes, 
We ought to be becoming outcasts by befriending outcasts. We should be ridiculed for hanging out with the ridiculous. We should be known for irrational grace, irrational forgiveness. And what are we saying and doing with such radical inclusion? We're saying this person's a real human being, a person just like you and me. Of course, this is not what the church is known for. We're known for arguing who's in and who's out. But Jesus says to each and every one of us, come on in. And surely we can say that to each other. For World Communion Sunday, I've also been thinking about Wendell Berry's poem from his book of 2010 called Leavings. Listen to Wendell Berry's poem. Having written some pages in favor of Jesus, I receive a solemn communication crediting me with the possession of a th theology by which I acquire the strange dignity of being wrong forever or forever right. Have I gauged exactly enough the weights of sins? Have I found too much of the hereafter in the here or the other way around? Have I found too much pleasure, too much beauty and goodness in this, our unreturning world? O oh Lord, please forgive any smidgen of such distinctions I may have still in my mind. I meant to leave them all behind a long time ago. If I'm a theologian, I am one to the extent I have learned to duck when the small, haughty doctrines fly overhead dropping their loads of whitewash at random on the faces of those who look toward heaven. Look down, look down, and save your soul by more honest dirt that receives with a lordly indifference this offal of the air. Christmas night and Easter morning are this soil's only laws the depth and volume of the waters of baptism, the true taxonomy of sins, the field marks of those most surely saved, God's own only true interpretation of the scripture. These would be causes of eternal amusement could we forget how we have hated one another, how vilified and hurt and killed one another, bloodying the world, by means of such questions, wrongly asked, never to be rightly answered, but asked and wrongly answered, hour after hour, day after day, year after year, such is my belief in hell. Similarly, in response to a letter from his brother, Wendell Berry writes in his book, New Collected Poems of 2012. Dear John, you said, treat your worst enemies as if they could become your best friends. You were not the first to perpetrate such an outrage, but you were right. Try as we might, we cannot unspring that trap. 
We can either befriend our enemies or we can die with them. In the absolute triumph of the absolute horror constructed by us to save us from them. Tough, but all right, our Mary said. We'll be nice to those people. So for World Communion Sunday, I'm meditating on Paul. Accept one another. I'm thinking about Jay Baker trading bitter tribalisms for radical inclusion. And following the farmer poet Wendell Berry, Christmas night and Easter morning are more than enough. That seems a fair amount to believe, Gary Wills once observed. And so again the gospel for this week, Lord, increase our faith. For further reflection this week, why not bless another person with this Celtic prayer? The love and affection of the angels be to you. The love and affection of the saints be to you. The love and affection of heaven be to you, to guard you and to cherish you. For books this week, I review a title called Unprotected Texts, The Bible's Surprising Contradictions About Sex and Desire. The author is Jennifer Knust, New York, Harper One, 2011, 343 pages. Jennifer Knust says she does not want to take sides in debates about sexual political questions. But that's not really accurate. In fact, she admits that she writes out of frustration toward conservative Christians who argue that the Bible presents a clear and simple sexual ethic. As an ordained American Baptist pastor and professor of religion at Boston University, her concerns are both pastoral and scholarly. This is a good and important task. It's also a very easy task. You don't have to be a scholar to read the Bible and realize how complex its content is on the subject of sex. Sometimes polygamy for men, but never women, is taken for granted. David had seven wives. On the other hand, Paul and Jesus privileged celibacy as the preferred state. Why is marrying a foreigner wrong? And what is sex with angels? Why all the regulations about circumcision, semen, and menstruation? So far, so good. There's not a single or systematic sexual ethic in the Bible. These texts were written at different times by different authors for different communities and reasons. But therein lies the more difficult problem, which Knuss does not even begin to address. On the one hand, most all denominations affirm something like her own American Baptist one, that scripture is the authoritative guide for serving God. But on the other hand, she cautions against this when it comes to sex. She writes, it's a mistake 
to pretend the Bible can define our ethics for us in any kind of straightforward way. The devil is in the details of her last six words. For Knus, and against those frustrating conservatives, most all sex and sexual desire seems to be good, never bad. Many of her own conclusions depend on privileging certain texts, translations, and interpretations over others, even though she's careful to admit that some historians might disagree with her. She's right that we need to read scripture with more nuance, care, and creativity, and with some greater principle in mind to guide us, like the golden rule. But she never suggests what that might look like. So, her book serves us half a loaf. I wait for her next book to move beyond negative caution to positive guidance. And I hope that she'll incorporate sociological studies like the new one by Donna Freitas, The End of Sex, How Hookup Culture is Leaving a Generation Unhappy, Sexually Unfulfilled, and Confused About Intimacy. Yes, some sex is good but some is very bad indeed. How does the Bible help us tell the difference? How do we move from its ancient historical descriptions to contemporary ethical prescriptions? Jennifer Knust, the title, Unprotected Texts. <clears throat> For movies this week, I reviewed Blackfish from the year 2013. In February 2010, an orca named Tillicum killed senior trainer Don Branshaw at SeaWorld Orlando. The theme park blamed the trainer, but video showed otherwise. Was the killer whale being playful? Was it an attack? or maybe psychic frustration at, at captivity. In fact, Tilly was involved in two previous deaths. And when OSHA investigated, they documented a hundred dangerous incidences between trainers and killer whales in captivity. This 80-minute documentary argues that keeping the emotionally complex and highly social orcas in captivity is cruel to the animals and dangerous to humans. SeaWorld refused repeated attempts to participate in the film, but numerous former employees and trainers spoke of how they deeply regretted their participation in the billion-dollar industry. And there's a paradox in this protest it's in places like SeaWorld where at least some good science is done and where most of us have learned to stand in awe of these remarkable creatures. The film has provoked articles in mainstream media like Time Magazine and the New York Times. Blackfish from the year 2013. And finally for this week, we've posted another Celtic poem or prayer. It's simply called Morning Prayer. 
Thanks to thee ever, O gentle Christ, that thou hast raised me freely from the black and from the darkness of last night to the kindly light of this day. Praise unto thee, O God of all creatures, according to each life thou hast poured on me, my desire, my word, my sense, my repute, my thought, my deed, my way, my fame. Thank you for joining us at journeywithjesus.net for Sunday, October 6, 2013, World Communion Sunday. I'm Daniel B. Clendenin.